Welcome to Sermons from San Diego, a podcast of preaching at Mission Hills United Church of Christ. I'm the Reverend Dr. David Barr, but please just call me David. I invite you to listen and come along as we try to follow the teachings of Jesus and the wisdom of Scripture to build a world that is open, inclusive, just, and compassionate. And now for this week's sermon. So some Bible texts change us when we hear them at just the right time and shape us to the core. I never forget one morning, one, one late night, I came home from work, college, and I was very distressed, probably midnight. But before going to bed, I, I read this text and it changed my life. I had been struggling with coming out and these words provided me the reassurance I needed. In a moment of recognition, I knew what I had to do. And it's been one of my favorite verses ever since. It's a passage, Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. So this past week, I tried to compile a list of my 10 favorite Bible passages, 10 texts that have shaped my life and faith. It was a real challenge because I could only get it down to 104. And then after our discussion at Lunch and Actionary, I had to change it to 106. But perhaps I could find, among all those texts, 10 top themes in the Bible. And so this is what I came up with. And your list will likely be somewhat different. But theme number one, it all starts with this. Life is a gift from our Creator. And God is the source of our very breath. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Genesis 2, 7-8. The Lord God formed a human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into their nostrils, and the human came to life. Well, then skipping all the way to the great escape from Egypt, which we've been following, we've been learning how God, has provi- God provided the laws training for freedom that emphasize our relationship with God and how we are to treat our neighbors. And so my theme number two, God's hopes for us, especially how we treat people who are vulnerable, like widows, orphans, and immigrants. Leviticus 19.34, this is just one of many times, it says, any immigrant who lives with you must be treated as if they were one of your citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were once immigrants in a strange land. And then the hope of prophets like Isaiah 2, 
in Isaiah 2.4. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. And I love this vision of peace in Isaiah. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together and a little child will lead them. They won't hurt or destroy on my holy mountain anymore. And of course, a favorite for many, Micah 6, 8. O mortal, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? Love kindness and walk humbly with your God. And so theme number three is how God calls each of us to answer, or not. You know, we've known a lot about Moses reluctantly saying yes, but one of my absolute favorites is 1 Samuel 3. As he slept, the boy Samuel kept hearing his name called. Three times he woke up Eli, who finally told him, when you hear the voice again, it's God calling. And you shall reply, speak, for your servant is listening. And he did. Or as in Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, send me. Now Esther is a great one. Faced with the totally improbable opportunity to save their people, her uncle said, maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Great line. And it's true, she was. But I also like Jonah. Jonah 1, 1 through 3, the Lord called to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh and warn them for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up and fled in the opposite direction. So another recurring theme in the Bible is encouragement, reassurance for the weary. So theme number four, when we feel low and afraid, God provides strength, comfort, and inspiration and hope. You know, God may have repeatedly gotten really, really frustrated with humanity, but God never stopped loving. Isaiah 43, but now says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched and the flames won't burn you. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because you are precious in my eyes, you are honored and I love you. The Psalms are full of encouragement and anger. But one of my favorites is, be still and know that I am God, from Psalm 46. And so we transition to the New Testament. My theme number five is how Jesus was sent by God to build upon the law and prophets and call us to change our hearts and lives. Jesus offered his life as a model of sacrificial love for all. He invites all of us to the kingdom of God, the image of a feast that includes anyone who has ever been or felt like an outcast. It's a vision of a world shaped by love and equity among the poor and rich. And for some reason, that really upset religious people then and now. 
So in Mark 2, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many had become his followers. When some of the legal experts from among the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? But in John 8, 7, he said, whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. So who was Jesus? Theme 6. He was perfectly ordinary. He got tired, irritated, hungry, and needed to be left alone. And yet, perhaps the most amazing thing about him, he always found a way to show compassion and offer a path to forgiveness when our actions hurt other people or ourselves. But number six is also, Jesus was extraordinary in ways we can't explain. I can only embrace the mystery of his touch as a healer, his ability to work a miracle simply with words. I don't know how. I leave that to faith. Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard about what happened to John, which was his head was delivered on a platter, he tried to withdraw on a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds learned this, they followed him from the cities on foot and he had compassion on them. And Luke 7:50, Jesus said to the woman, it's your faith that has saved you. Go in peace. He didn't make it about himself. That's extraordinary. And so what happened? Theme number seven was that Jesus was executed by a toxic collaboration of religion and empire. Jesus dared to confront those in his own religious tradition to return to the best of their shared tradition. In Luke eleven forty six, Jesus said, How terrible it is for you legal experts. You load down people with impossible burdens and you refuse to lift a single finger to help them. He called for God's hopes in theme number two and wasn't subtle about calling out hypocrisy. In Matthew 12, 14, after Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, the Pharisees went out and met in order to find a way to destroy him. But also understand, they lived under the stress of occupation by the violent Roman Empire, and both sides were frightened of his message of inclusion and ability to gather disciples and perform miracles and his ability to heal. And so, together... They preferred to enforce violence rather than practice justice. In Mark 15, the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas. And then what, what do you want me to do with the one you call king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Uh, Pilate asked, why? What, what has he done? But they just shouted even louder, crucify him. And in Matthew 27, the governor's soldiers took Jesus and stripped him and put a red military coat on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand and bowed down in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And after they finished mocking him, they stripped him and led him away to crucify him. Or rather, you know, kill him. Or, to be more exact, to execute him. 
But God had the final word that death does not win. And so on the third day in Matthew 28, 5, the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. He left them behind, and in the aftermath, men, women, and children gathered new communities to continue the presence and ministry of Jesus, a new body of Christ in the world, to bless it. So theme number eight is how the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, everyone, then and now, has a gift by which we contribute goodness to the world. And two of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible, James 2, 17 and 22, faith without works is dead. You must be doers of the word, not merely hearers. And likewise, theme number nine is how the Spirit enacts unity and equality among people of all genders, races, nationalities, abilities, orientations, and anything and everything else that separate us, which for some reason also seems to upset religious people. But Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 12.12, 12, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. But theme number 10. In the end, it is all about love. Our love of God, God's love for us, our love of neighbor, self, and enemy. Love is the point of our faith. And if it's not, what's the point? They will know we are Christians by our love. And without it, we will continue to watch people in America flee a Christianity that bears no resemblance to the kind of love Jesus practiced. The bottom line for us as Christians and the church is if we speak in the tongues of human beings and of angels but do not have love, we are a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If we have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and everything else, and even have such complete faith that we can move mountains, but don't have love, we are nothing. If we give away everything that we have and hand over our own bodies to feel good about what we've done, but don't have love, we receive no benefit whatsoever. You've heard this one, 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus, really, he made it so simple. Like in John 21, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus asked, do you love me? And he replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter was sad when Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so are we clear? Because without love, we are nothing but noise. So my 10 themes. First, our very breath is a gift from God. 
Second, treat vulnerable people like God hopes we will, expects that we will. Number three, God calls you and I to personal responsibility. Four, when we need it, God provides strength, comfort, inspiration, and hope. Number five, Jesus calls us to change our hearts and lives. Number six, Jesus was perfectly ordinary and extraordinary. Number seven, the collaboration of religion and state is dangerous, but God does not allow such evil scheming to win. Number eight, the church exists to bless the world with gifts the Spirit gives to each one of us. Number nine, the Spirit establishes equality in the church even when that isn't experienced in the world. And number ten, the point of it all is love, and without, the lo without love, what's the point? And whenever necessary, then, to return to theme number five, which is, Jesus calls us to change our hearts and lives. So what are your 10 favorite verses or, or what 10 themes from the Bible shape your life? It was a lot of work, but it was really meaningful to sit down and try.